Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, December 18th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We talked to the mayor about the recent decision to press pause on the controversial Green Line LRT project and hear the mayor's message for Calgarians ahead of the holiday season. Next, we head stateside for an update on the current situation surrounding COVID-19. With the death toll approaching 315,000, we get an update from Jennifer Johnson, Global News Washington reporter. Wondering how you can maintain healthy routines amid the pandemic? We get some tips from a health and wellness expert on how to make some positive changes. And finally, looking to be entertained this weekend? We catch up with Brett McGarry of The Couch Potatoes with the newest picks in movies and TV, including a new offering from George Clooney. 812 on the morning news, pauses to the Green Line LRT development and extended mask bylaw. And a new housing development in our city. Lots to cover today in our weekly chat with Mayor Nahad Nenshi. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, this is a, a lot to cover, as I mentioned, because not only is this the last time we're going to talk before Christmas, I believe with the, the first being a Friday, I think this is the last time we'll talk this year, perhaps. I think you're right. So you Merry Christmas, it? everybody. Uh, all the best for what will be a different and quiet holiday season, but hopefully still a time for some rest and reflection for everyone. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to start with uh, something other than COVID-19. We have plenty of time to talk about that in our city, but Green Line LRT, the process literally stopped in its tracks. And when I heard you uh, talk about it on uh, global television, uh, I hear frustration in your voice. Tell us your thoughts on, on where we're at, where we're going, or where we're not exactly going right now. Well, you know, I should point out that the whole thing hasn't stopped, but the procurement of the big piece of construction has been put on hold for a little while. And yeah, I am irritated and a bit frustrated by it because this really is the province dragging its feet. So this is a a three-party deal. Uh, Typically in these LRT projects, the provincial and the federal government pay the whole freight. But in this case, the city of Calgary is the lead here, paying out of our own sources um, about 40%. And then the provincial and federal government's paying the rest. And the federal government and the city are ready to go. And in July, the province said, you know what? This is a lot of money. Let's just take a look and make sure that, you know, we're comfortable with it, which is totally fine. And they were going to take four or six weeks to do that. It's been over six months. And they're making uh, silly allegations about the city's process that's not based on anything. They have not actually shared with us one document or one analysis for what the basis of their concerns are. They call it due diligence, but I I don't think that means what they think it means. (laughs) Due diligence means you get all the data together, you analyze it together, and you answer questions. Not you meet every couple weeks, ask the same questions, get the same answers, come back in a couple weeks, ask the same questions, get the same answers. So this is ragging the puck uh, for some reason or another. They're dragging their feet on this, and no, I have no idea why. And it's 12,000 jobs, and I'd like to get going on it. Yeah, well, fingers crossed uh, for more movement and uh, maybe, excuse the pun, get things rolling a little bit more in 2021. Um, let's switch gears and talk about COVID-19 in our city and the public health compliance team. This is, I, I, I'd not heard of the public health compliance team. Tell us about what it's comprised of and, and what they're going to be doing when it comes to enforcement. Well, you know, we're just going to be working uh, closely between the Calgary Police Service and our peace officers, our bylaw officers and transit officers who now have the ability to write tickets and make sure that we're being uh, smart about our enforcement. Because as you know, as I've said many times, 
Here in Calgary, we always like education before enforcement, but we're in a situation now where people are flagrantly violating the rules and they're putting people at risk and they deserve to get a ticket for that. Um, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking about, Oh shoot, I left my mask in the car. Let me go get it. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's going to get a ticket for that. By the way, I said that I think on the show last week Yeah. and a very kind of senior executive in town, who's kind of a rough and tumble guy sent me what looked like a little beaded necklace. Uh, yeah. He was like, <laughs> he was like, my wife makes these. Clip your mask to it. You won't leave it in the car anymore. <laughs> Which I thought was actually pretty cool. Um, but uh, in any case, you know, this is for the people who are really being disruptive and putting other people's health at risk. And that's uh, that's just not acceptable at this point because we're still in this and we're still deep, deep in this, as we know from the quiet Christmas we're about to have. Uh, the other thing I should mention on the COVID front is. I'm actually very pleased with the cooperation between the city, the province, and particularly a whole bunch of social agencies who serve people in East Calgary Mm -hmm. uh, on these outreach teams that are now spending time. They're even going door-to-door. I don't think the door-to-door is very effective, but they're really spending time hyper-focused on helping people, particularly in Northeast Calgary, who have to go to work, who work in essential services jobs, understand their rights and how to keep themselves safe, um, particularly if they get sick, that they can't be fired from their job if they're sick, that they can't, you know, if they're a cab driver, they can't lose their license if they're sick. Um, And that if it's impossible within your home to have your own bedroom and bathroom, there are opportunities for you to isolate in a hotel for free and, you know, culturally appropriate food and so on, uh, just to keep the rest of your family safe. And that's not easy, right? It's hard to say to someone, grandma and grandpa have to go away for a couple weeks. It's inconvenient and it's difficult. But you know what's more inconvenient and more difficult? Planning a funeral. So we got <laughs> we got a lot of work we got to do here. That's a, a somber uh, statement, but absolutely the truth. Uh, the, we got to take a quick break. Can you hang out with us for two more minutes, Mayor? I sure can. 8.20 on the morning news and more with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Happy to have you here, Mayor. And I've got a question that somewhat related to the public health compliance team that we talked about in the last segment. And I'm not sure exactly if this question should be directed toward you or Calgary Transit, but we had it last week from Jeff and he said, can you please ask this? We didn't get to it. He said uh, he thinks that a lot in our city would be accomplished if we increased enforcement on public transit, particularly the C train. Is that something that has been stepped up in the past couple of weeks? Uh, not that I'm specifically aware of, but I appreciate the question. I, I uh, you know, and certainly now that our transit officers can actually enforce the public health order, that you should see that uh, step up a little bit. But we also now have the ability to, as I said earlier, to have the bylaw officers enforced. So it is certainly the case that we can put someone on some of them on transit, and I'll follow up on that. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And that was uh, from Jeff who texted that in. Uh, before we let you go, we've got about another minute and a half, but I know that uh, because this will be our last ch- chance to talk uh, in uh, the, well, until 2021, it looks like at this point, your message to Calgarians on a, a holiday season like we've never seen before, like we hopefully never have to see in the future. You know, I've been thinking a lot about 2020 in, in every way. And I've been thinking a lot about all the things that we lost in 2020, you know, from Easter to Christmas, if you want to think about it that way. We lost uh, all of these traditions that we normally have. Our lives have been severely disrupted. And you think of the kids in particular who've been in and out of school and how they've had to learn entirely new ways of being. 
And it's it's easy to be sad about that and to mourn that, and that's okay, and we should, because there's a lot of things we lost. But you know what? I think about my family and friends this year, and you know, babies were born. Kids graduated high school. People had their 50th anniversary. We have had all these milestones. People even got married, albeit in a socially distant way. And there have been all these things that we really can celebrate. And so I'm hopeful as I think about 21 and beyond that I never forget 2020. I never forget the hard and difficult times that we had this year, but also that I never forget the lessons of 2020. And, you know, every time I go to a school, I ask the kids, what did you learn? I do it virtually now, but I ask the kids, what did you learn uh, in 2020? And in every single elementary school I go to, at least one kid uses a word that I didn't think that children knew, which is they say, I learned to be resilient. I learned to roll with the punches and understand that things aren't always going to be the same and I can still be great and I can still succeed. And I hope that we remember that. I hope we remember the resilience of the city, but also that ultimately every sacrifice we've been asked to make is not really a selfish sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Because even if you or I, God forbid, got sick, Andrew, we'd probably be okay. But the reason that we've made all these sacrifices is to protect other people who wouldn't be okay. And so for me, that's the biggest lesson of 2020, that it is possible to live our lives entirely within a frame of caring and compassion for other people. And I hope that's what we never forget. Um, Great message. And uh, thank you so much for your time, as always, on Fridays here uh, during the pandemic. We appreciate it. Happy holidays and, and be safe, Mayor. Thank you, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you in 2021. That is Mayor Nahed Nenshi. 710 on the morning news. The pandemic continues to rage in the U.S. However, a vaccine is rolling out across the country with an update on the pandemic and politics in the USA. We're joined now by our global Washington reporter, Jennifer Johnson. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Well, we're now seeing the rollout of the vaccine with Mike Pence receiving it in a televised appearance this morning. How is the rollout looking so far across the nation? Well, that's right. Around 8 o'clock this morning, Mike Pence and his wife um, and the Surgeon General, Jerome Adams, all received the Pfizer vaccine. This is sort of a display, a public display to Americans that they can trust the vaccine, that it's safe, that it's okay to uh, be given. Uh, The Pfizer vaccine has been rolling out since the FDA approval. Um, about a week ago, and millions have been administered to healthcare workers across the country and to nursing home residents, too. That was going to be delayed until after December 21st, but that actually got accelerated. The nursing home residents, the pharmacies, CVS and Walgreens are doing that. And actually, they announced yesterday that they're concerned that while they can re- re- reach 80% of elderly residents in America that live approximately five miles away from each or either of those pharmacies, they are going to go to mobile clinics to reach the other 20% of elderly Americans so that they can be vaccinated. So, you know, the hope is the Operation Warp Speed folks are saying the hope is they'll have about 20 million Americans vaccinated by the end of December. It's not exactly a magic bullet. It's a light at the end of the tunnel, though, with um, you know, and it's hard to get a, an accurate number of the amount of deaths, but at this point, it looks like it's around 315,000 deaths attributed to COVID-19. And it looks like the cases aren't uh, slowing quite yet. Is that the case? 
Oh, definitely. Like you said, it's around 315,000. We've had 42,000 Americans die so far this month, and I, I believe we're only at December 18th. So the numbers are just, they just get worse and worse. Wednesday, over 3,600 Americans died in one day. That was a one-day record so far. And it just seems like, you know, we used to talk about 2,000 Americans dying every day. Now we're talking about 3,000 Americans dying every day. So while the vaccine's being rolled out, um, it's not stopping what's currently going on, which was we were already in a surge from the colder weather months and people gathering indoors more. Then we had people traveling for Thanksgiving. So it was a surge upon a surge, as Dr. Anthony Fauci says. And now we're into the Christmas season, and so there may be a third surge. But, you know, things are rough across the country. Terrible in California. The governor declared a mass casualty alert. Um, They've ordered 60 makeshift morgues to be on standby. Nurses are threatening to go on strike in Southern California on Christmas Eve because they're so overworked. They are out of ICU beds in many parts of the state. So it's, you know, it's a disaster for many, many states. The governor of New York said that he would order a complete shutdown if things don't turn around in the next uh, couple of weeks, three weeks or so. With the number at 315,000 deaths, has the projection of total fatalities changed in the past little while? Um, not that I've heard. We, you know, the the health secretary has talked about 400,000 people dead uh, by January, uh, by the end of January. But it's 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 hard to say. I mean, I think we're going to have two to three thousand people die every day or two to thirty five hundred die a day, at least for the next 30 to 60 days until, you know, something can slow down with this vaccine. Now, Now, Moderna was got the FDA advisory panel's recommendation for approval for emergency use authorization. That happened yesterday. So what happens is this panel advises the FDA to give full approval or approval for emergency use. The FDA is likely to take up that today and start rolling out the Moderna vaccine. So they'll not only will you have the millions of doses from the Pfizer vaccine, you're going to have probably another 8 million from the Moderna vaccine. And a little asterisk about the Pfizer vaccine is that when they went to administer it, you know, like take it out of the vial, put it into the syringe, they realized there were extra doses mm-hmm. in each one of the vials. And in some cases, up to five additional doses. So there's a lot extra of the Pfizer that they didn't expect. And so that's really good news. The health secretary said this morning, actually it was last night, he said that he's hoping that almost every American who wants to get vaccinated can be vaccinated by June. Wow. So things are moving rapidly. But for now, the death toll is just going to continue to accelerate. And it's it's not going to help the situation now, if you will. Let's uh, switch gears and talk about politics. And on Monday, the U.S. Electoral College voted to affirm Joe Biden's victory in the presidential election. Any signs of uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump backing down now of, of fine, uh, with the, the Electoral College coming forward with their decision? No. I mean, he just he won't concede the election. He has had the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell declare President Joe Biden or say uh, President-elect Joe Biden is indeed the president-elect that the Electoral College has spoken. There's no changing that. There's a vote in Congress January 6th, but they don't have the power to override the Electoral College vote. And so Joe Biden is the president-elect. President Trump hasn't said a word about that. He gave an interview 
the last time he gave an interview on camera was um, when he was going to the Army-Navy game last weekend, and he said, they say I lost the election. I did not lose this election. I did not lose this election. This election was stolen from me. And he maintains this. There has been no proof of it from anyone in his own administration. There's been no proof of it that his lawyers had presented to any court. No court has taken up the case. And so... He, I, I don't understand quite why he won't acknowledge at least the democratic process that's been in place for hundreds of years in America and at least say, okay, the Electoral College has spoken, even if he believes that he, he won the general election, which he didn't. But even if he honestly believes that, he should at least show some respect to the process and the Electoral College, but he hasn't done that either. And, you know, what's weird about the president is not only is he maintaining you know, that he's won the election and not conceding, but he's also not spoken about what's going on with the COVID crisis either. Mm -hmm. He hasn't said a word about 42,000 Americans dying in the month of December, and we're barely halfway through the month. So, (laughs) you know, there really aren't a lot of words, explanations you can give for this kind of behavior other than we've never seen it before. And you know, I hope we never see it again. It's an unprecedented time, uh, that's for certain, and a, a year nobody will forget for, for several reasons. <laughs> that's uh, for sure. But uh, we appreciate your time, and if we don't get the chance to talk with you before uh, Christmas, happy holidays to you, Jennifer. Thank you, and to you too, and to your listeners. Thanks so much for having me. That is Jennifer Johnson, Global's Washington reporter. 609, it is the morning news here on 770 CHQR. The routine can be key to maintaining a healthy lifestyle, but it can be hard to keep a regular schedule amid the pandemic. We're joined now by wellness expert Kyle Buchanan on ways to remain consistent during today's hectic times. Good morning to you, Kyle. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. It's interesting because I think that a lot of us, when we think about healthy lifestyle, it's 100% the gym and, you know, eating a couscous and kale. But your yeah. tips your tips are going to really just bottom line it for us as far as building the consistency to maybe achieve any goal you want. So let's talk about it. How important is it to have a schedule and maintain a routine? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard right now, especially because we're a lot of us are working from home. But having a routine, even little things that you do in the morning and at night, it creates structure. It allows you to sleep better and, and start the day from a more grounded place. So you actually work more efficiently and you get more done. Uh, yeah, setting a routine and these little things, it really is a form of self-care when you think about it. And self-care, it sounds interesting because, you know, you, you literally it could be setting time aside, uh, but it sounds much more fancy when you say self-care. So, so how, right. do we, how, how do we begin? Just a couple of things. So in, in the morning, in the, it, like first thing, self-care, focusing on not looking at your phone, for example, first for the first 30 minutes. Don't check your emails and go on social media. Don't Because what you're doing is... First thing in the morning, looking at other people's lives instead of focusing on you. So focus on yourself and grounding your system. And one easy way to do that is through meditation, which is something else that we hear a lot about. But put into practice it makes such a big difference, whether it's before you eat. I always say just get it in before you start your workday. So whether it's before you eat, whether it's before you shower, or before you start work, set aside 10 to 15 minutes and really ground your system. It makes such a difference to your mental health for the day. Um, and then another little thing... Make sure your breakfast, because breakfast is a huge part of your day, if you eat breakfast, <laughs> unless you're intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. But regardless, your, your first meal, you want to make sure it has some protein and some fat in it, not just carbohydrates. Uh, this sets, like, when, you, when you have just carbs, you set 
a blood sugar roller coaster that'll have you energy crashing midday. So for better energy and better blood sugar, as part of your routine, make sure your breakfast has some protein and fat in it. Kyle, I want to back it up and talk about breakfast because, you know, we kick the program off at 5.30. I'm going to pick on Dave McIver, who's in the studio with me today. Um, (laughs) He said he does not. His wife gives him a hard time. You know, he works very early morning hours, won't eat until he gets home. And that's a sandwich probably, you know, very late in the morning or early afternoon. So if you could uh, underscore again why that's so important, because for some people, they they say, you know, I'm just not that hungry. Uh, But what are they missing out on? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two camps on this. One is if you're naturally not hungry and you are incorporating intermittent fasting, you're only having water or tea first thing in the morning, I always say on your body, and if that works for you, great. But on the other side of the camp, if you know you get cranky mid-morning, if you know you get that energy crash, it is important to have something for breakfast, whether it's a hard-boiled egg, which would be a quick source of protein, whether it's a smoothie, or whether it's even if, you're, even if you're a person that has cereal in the morning, even if it's sugary cereal, there's a way to hack it by adding something like hemp seeds, which are a source of fat and protein within whatever breakfast you're having. So I'd say if you, if you are fine energy levels without having breakfast, trust your body. But if you energy crash mid-morning, it's so important for your blood sugar, for your mental health, for everything to have some form of protein and fat first thing in the morning. It's interesting because you mentioned if, you, if you're crashing – do you think a yeah. lot of us don't uh, know exactly how, and it's, it's bizarre, uh, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but don't yeah. know how to listen to our bodies? Well, we, we distract ourselves so much, right? Okay. And then we, absolutely, we, we're, we're, we kind of get used to whatever normal we have. So if, say, we're going through a day, and yeah, I, I tend to crash around 11, but that's just me. But what you don't realize is that there are things you could be doing to not have that energy crash. We just have to kind of be our own detectives. And if you do have that energy crash, if you do feel a tiredness, ask yourself why and if there are things you can do that you have control over to maybe not crash. Sometimes simple fixes are the best things. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, maybe trying to switch things up. Something that we've heard a lot during the pandemic, but I know, you know, non-pandemic times, a lot of people have trouble sleeping, and uh, more so during yeah. this time when people are stressed, they might have. Uh, so the importance of consistency when it comes to sleep and uh, the importance of using that for, for wellness. Absolutely. So having a, just as you have your morning routine, having a nighttime routine can really make or break your sleep pattern. So, and like, as you said, a lot of people are struggling right now. So if you know you're having issues sleeping, really take time to make a nighttime routine for yourself. And that involves a couple, a couple different things. And again, it's finding what works for you. How about what you wear to bed? Can that make a difference? Absolutely. So I always say, like, go through your sleep hygiene tips before bed. I always say, like, at the hour mark, shut up your screens, reduce that blue light exposure from your screens that can actually keep you up. Make sure you find a way to calm your system down, reduce tension, whether that's reading a book, whether that's meditating. Uh, And finally, if you can, sleep as close to naked as possible without the clothing. Because for your body to have a really restful sleep, you want it to be in a slightly cool room and being as close to naked as you can helps your body to naturally cool down. If you really layer up, it's kind of counterintuitive to what your body's naturally trying to do. So naked is your friend when it comes to sleep. I've never heard that, but I like the sounds of it. Um, You know, it's interesting because we talked about how uh, it's it's one week till Christmas, 13 days to New Year's Eve. People uh, set those New Year's resolutions as a wellness expert. Is it productive to set a New Year's resolution or, or are you setting yourself up for failure? Wonderful question. It's, yeah, I can't believe it's 13 days away. I'd say as long, if you set realistic goals for yourself, like 
trying to make sleep a priority or trying to take a few more deep breaths during the day. Those little manageable goals that are easy to accomplish, those are the kind of goals that I would strive for. If you make big, huge 180s and you don't achieve those goals, you're probably going to be disappointed in yourself. And I think what all of us can do in 2021 is be a little bit more easy on ourselves because stress has been so high in 2020. So if you are to make goals, make them small and manageable and little things that if you actually do them because they are small and manageable, they'll add up over time. So by the time 2022 rolls around, you'll feel great. You'll be ready to go. But manageable is the key. And baby steps. Uh, when, baby it, steps. when it comes to, to routine and uh, habit, we've heard uh, time and time again that it, uh, 21 days, it takes a few weeks. Do you subscribe to that? Is there a certain time limit uh, that uh, you know we can achieve uh, more of a structure in our life? In regards to how long it takes to master that routine? To master of whether it's a routine, whether it's you know uh, going for a walk or a, a fitness goal or even sleep for that matter. Is there a time or is this a you know longer period of time? I would say anywhere from 21 to 36 days is the, is the kind of magic sweet spot too because we're creatures of habit. You know, we might do things for a couple of days and then we forget, not because it doesn't make us feel good, but we just forget. So it's making that conscious decision to add these little you know, micro things to your morning and nighttime routines consistently, right? Put it on the calendar that eventually you'll start feeling better. Those neural networks will be rewired and you'll, you'll naturally want to do these things. But it is a matter of commitment for the first, yeah, you're right, 21 to 36 days. Listeners uh, can find out more about you and your work at kylebuchanan.ca. Is that right? That's right. And on Instagram at it's kyleb, I-T, kyleb. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Kyle, and uh, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you, too. Thank you so much. That is Kyle Buchanan, wellness expert. We love every opportunity on a Friday to catch up with Brett McGarry from the Couch Potatoes because he entertained, well, he doesn't entertain us. He tells us how we can be entertained. Very good morning to you, Brett. How you doing? Good, good. Ready for the weekend, and that means maybe some few extra minutes to check in on some TV or movies. And the one that came back, it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't just a fluke. The Mandalorian, people love it. I am among those who love it, and it's very rare where, like, I'm... I love my job, so I'm never watching the clock, counting down the minutes, the hours until I get to leave. But today I am because I want to get home as soon as possible so I can watch the season finale, the second season finale for The Mandalorian. This Star Wars series was a show that when it first was announced and they first debuted the trailer, I didn't even bother watching the trailer because I thought, ugh, who cares? A, a story about a bounty hunter who has the same outfit as Boba Fett? Yeah. Like, a, well, why do I need to know this story? Turns out it is one of the best things they've ever done in Star Wars. The visuals are tremendous. The story is great. The acting is great. The way that they've tied in various uh, parts of the Star Wars universe, it's so much fun. Every episode this season, except, except for the second episode, I didn't really care for that one, but every episode has just gotten better and better. It's so exciting. So tonight is the season finale for The Mandalorian. If you haven't watched this yet on Disney+, Plus, you don't. I don't think you need necessarily need to be a Star Wars expert to like it. Like It's just kind of like a space western almost, mm -hmm. right? He's a, sort of a gunslinger. He's an inter 
Interstellar Gunslinger. And it's just really cool. It's a fun adventure show, so I cannot wait. Uh, season one was good, and it got a surprise nomination for Best Drama at the Emmys. Mm -hmm. Season two has been outstanding uh, across the board. Just uh, it's, it's really a marvelous achievement. So we'll put The Mandalorian season two in the finale again, as you mentioned. If you've been caught up, you don't want to miss that, but... You know, you can start from the beginning if you, if you want this weekend. Uh, looking forward to that. And I know a lot of fans, uh, they look forward to anything that George Clooney does, and you'll have the opportunity to see a new one from George. Yeah, this one is, so not this weekend. It debuts on December 23rd on Netflix. That's uh, that's a Wednesday, by the way. Yeah. He's, he plays a scientist, a lone scientist in the Arctic, who is racing to contact a crew of astronauts returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. Now, I watched the trailer for this and thought, this one's pretty good. And, of course, because it's George Clooney, obviously it's worth a look. Although I think one of the things that's grabbed the most attention about this is how he, I think he was on CBS, Yes, Sunday morning, and he said that he still uses a Floby to cut his hair, which I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, uh, he's always so self-deprecating, and uh, I think a lot of us might need to employ uh, Floby as uh, the pandemic rolls on. I know that I may end up having to take some uh, drastic measures. Well, you know, beyond the pandemic, I'm, I'm here to tell you, if he's the sexiest man alive repeatedly and the Floby's good enough for him... Maybe yeah. it's good enough for you and I, Brett. For oh, sure. I wonder, for I wonder sure, if we man. should do some checking and see how Floby sales have done after that announcement, because <laughs> that's a real ringing endorsement. Okay, so from George Clooney, again, that one coming out on the 23rd on Wednesday on Netflix, to the best of the rest. This is a tradition for the Couch Potatoes, isn't it? Yeah, this year, and especially this year, because there were very few movies to watch. We usually do a, a best uh, TV and best movies, but this year we just did all television. So next week we're counting down our top 20 shows, but this week was the best of the rest because we watch a lot of shows. I counted, I think I watched 53 series this year, wow. so you can't name them all, but we wanted to give some honorable mentions. So this weekend on the Couch Potatoes, we're going to look at the best of the rest, shows that we really enjoyed that weren't quite top 20 worthy, like the good place which was on global tv that wrapped up earlier this year back in january that's the one with ted danson and uh kristen bell where they uh people have died and they go up to the good place it's very funny and creative uh jeff discovered jack ryan on prime video and uh, he even points to one particular police procedural saying you know i've got to have at least one show that's easy to watch, that requires no brain power. I think we can all use shows like that. So we'll run through the list, tell you where you can watch them, and uh, next week it's our top 20. All right, so uh, we'll leave it there for now because, uh, you know, we have to wish you a happy holiday, Brett. And we're not going to be talking to you next Friday because you're bumped by Santa Claus. I think that that's a, a fair trade. I'm willing to stand down for St. Nick. Uh, have a great and happy holiday. You too, man. Thanks a lot. He's Brett McGarry. From the Couch Potatoes. Yeah, worth noting, the best of the rest of, well, on this special edition of the Couch Potatoes airs right here on 770 CHQR Saturday night from 9 p.m. until 10 p.m.